Some good folks got my back. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Pause for just a moment to let that scripture kind of sink in. Don't get an ego about who you think you are. But think soberly. Don't be drunk on your own self. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, or the prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Boy, oh boy, this is the hardest part for me trying to do what I've been told I have to do and that is give a title to this message so I'm going to go with this sink or swim can't go back now I done gave it to them declarations of the king declarations of the king we thank you God for being here today with us and allowing us to be in your presence what a gift your anointing is what we seek today in this house. We ask for your presence to settle into here. Let self, let myself, let all of us put away our minds, thoughts, desires, that your will be done in this place. Anoint every ear to hear, every heart to accept, every foot to step in, every will to be crushed that you would have your way in this house today this is a holy place this is an anointed place we rebuke anything today that would try to cause or hinder this word from God in Jesus name we pray amen and amen somebody give God praise in the house today God is worthy. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, let me ask a question today that I feel like is a foolish question because I believe that most everybody here, if not everyone, will have the exact same answer. But uh, does anybody love living in the good old U.S. of A.? Yeah. To me, and I have traveled, been blessed to travel to a few different places outside of the continental U.S., and it is still the good old U.S. of A., the greatest country in the world to me. It is. One of the things that's great about where we live is we don't live under a dictator. We don't live in a communist regime. We would be what some call a republic, a democracy for the people, by the people. We aren't in a kingdom where a king sits upon a throne. We are the subjects. But we do have one that we serve who is the king of kings. Let me tell you some fun facts about a kingdom. In a kingdom with a king, the people do not rule. 
they don't have a voice. Matter of fact, your opinion is not something that the king will seek out and ask, what do you think about this? A king has power and authority and doesn't need an understanding of your feelings to declare, decree what he wants done. In a kingdom, you best not stir up insurrection or you might be a little bit lighter without your head. In a kingdom, you can't turn around and say things like, can you believe that the king did this? And the king should have done that. And the king was this to me. You can't do that in a kingdom. It would do us well to understand that our God, our king, not going to ask for your opinion on things. He's not waiting on statistics to drop from a poll that was taken by the angels to all of the churches to find out how they feel that things should be in the church. God is not going to wait for a board at a church somewhere to come together and meet many weeks with stale coffee and old donuts to sit there and figure out how the church is going to be run. Neither is he going to take the opinion of a pastor over how he feels the church, the kingdom should be run. God has already decreed some things. He's already declared some things. People are always saying, Pastor, I need a word from God and I'm sitting here waiting on a word from God. When am I going to hear this word from God? When is the king going to speak to me? But let me just be the bearer of bad news to your simplistic... Well, I'm not going to use the wording that I put in my notes. Hard head. That God has already given all the declarations that you need in his word. I'm waiting on a word from God. I need to hear from the Lord. I, I want to move, but I, I need a word from God. Everything that you need has already been declared in his word. I'm going to pastor just a few minutes here, if you don't mind, just a few minutes. What you're actually saying when you're saying, well, I'm waiting on a word from the Lord. What you're really saying is you're waiting to find an excuse to get your will done in a biblical sense. Everything that you need is already here. Well, I'm waiting for this to happen. Seek first the king. People don't like it, but I tell that all the time. They say, I need, are you seeking God first? Well, I'm looking, no, no. Are you seeking God's first? Are you putting God's kingdom first? Are you seeking the king's will first? If you need something from God, here it is. You can't go around God's word. You can't circumvent God's word. You can't find pathways to go around God's word. For when the king makes a decree, that is final. With kings, their authority lies within their word. Their proclamations or their expressed will. They're called in the Old Testament royal decrees. And when a king says it's going to be this way, that's the way it's going to be. One commentary would write it like this, that a king would call for a scribe. And the scribe would, would come in and the king would speak something. And the scribe would write it out on paper. And the king would seal it with his signet ring. And that would be that. That's the decree. And everybody in the kingdom would have to follow what the king said. That was the king's proclamation. That was his name in the decree. His seal was a royal decree. It could not be revoked. It could not be changed. It could not be moved. The people could not have a vote. The board could not vote it out. 
the people could not, if you was in the kingdom and the king made a decree, that was that. Let me get biblical with you. Look at Esther. The king there made a decree. He couldn't break his decree. He had to utter the decrees that he said and were written. And when you study it out, you'll find out that he couldn't break his decree. He couldn't break it. He had to stick with it. When you study out the restorationists of scriptures, they stood upon the, king, the decree that the kings uh, had made uh, that, that the people could build the temple in Jerusalem. But the enemy of God took the decrees and hid them. They hired counselors and lawyers against the people of God that they could not rebuild their place of worship. How do we have to stop this building? How do we do this? We take the decrees and we hide them and we hope that everybody just forgets about them. But the king says, wait a minute. These people are saying they have the right to build. That my grandfather gave them the right, the king gave them the right to do such. How can I, as the king, go against what the former king said and decreed? He said, find me those papers. They found the papers hidden in a summer home of the king. And the king said, all right, I'm gonna make a double decree upon the one that my grandfather made. Anybody who tries to stop these folks from building this place of worship, I'm gonna tear your house down, hang you on the timbers, and make your place a dung heap. You think anybody stood in the way then? A decree could not be changed. So Darius made another decree to make it even the more. God moved on holy men of old and told them to write these words. And when they wrote them, they became holy declarations. He placed his signet upon it when he gave that word his name. See, some of y'all ain't getting it. We now have a decree from the king. It cannot be changed. It cannot be circumvented. It cannot be philosophized away. It can't be argued. I don't care how many channels you find on YouTube. It cannot be argued away. God said it, and that is the declaration that'll stand. The Bible, his word, is his decree. If God said it in the word, that's it. He can't change it, and he can't revoke it. Somebody ought to be excited about that. I don't care how far away you go from God. I don't care how far away you run from the cross. I don't care how bad you were before you came to God. I don't care what kind of sin you got in your life. God said salvation was for anyone who would come in his name. That's a declaration of the king that ought to get somebody excited today that salvation is for me. Heaven and earth could pass away, but his word cannot change. Things in this world can get as bad as it wants, but that word cannot change. Those declarations have been made. They are blood bought. They've been paid with a price. It cannot be changed. No matter what happens, his word will stand forever. God's word doesn't change. His decree doesn't change. His will does not change. One of the promises that God made well, the oldest ones we could find is in the Garden of Eden. That's when God said that the seed of the woman was going to stop on the head of Lucifer. Yeah. He said there's going to be coming one that was going to defeat Lucifer, a Messiah. Well, we know that old Adam could not be the Savior for Eve. He knew what he did when he did what he did. Because he loved Eve so much, but he could not be her savior. He could not be the one that changed everything in this world because sin had entered his life. 
And we know that a sin-filled sacrifice was not going to save those that were sinful. It had to be a sinless sacrifice. So Savior could not be Adam. We go on in scripture and we begin to look, and I'm going to teach just a little bit, and we'll preach here just a second. Hold with me. I'm, I'm, I'm crushing some heads this morning. My, my new favorite thing is we're uh, kicking the booty of the devil, but I'm not supposed to say that from the platform. <laughs> Lucifer began to spy on people that he felt like had any potential, any kind of strength that could ever defeat him. And he would come and observe them. And he would tempt them into breaking the decree of the king and worshiping him. He would say things like, if you make me your king, I'll, I'll give you all these kingdoms and all the glory because these worlds have been transferred to me and now I can give them to you. We know this to be a fact because he came to Jesus in the wilderness and he did this and he tempted him three times but I'm thankful that God did not fall for the trick of the enemy first Adam did but somebody today think about it for a moment I'm thankful that Jesus did not fall for the trick of the trickster for if he had there'd be no hope for me today Jesus understood and said it has been written he was standing upon the decrees, the declaration that had been said before that you should worship nobody but God himself. And only him shall thou serve. He couldn't worship Satan because the man Christ Jesus was loyal to the decree of the king. The Bible declares that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Some of us, including myself, and I've I just seen this, we kind of get this wrong. It, came, it says he came to seek that which was lost. Not those that were lost. That which was lost. And you have to begin to study out what is the that that the scripture is talking about. You have to go clear back again to the garden where Lucifer was there. Now you got to study out Lucifer to understand here. And I'm calling him by his name because really in scripture he's given three different titles. Lucifer, Satan, and the devil in those order. Lucifer was what God first lost. Lucifer had a covering of stones just like the ones that we'll wear in heaven. And his workmanship was the timbrel and the pipe. Lucifer didn't play music, he was music. And he, Lucifer would find himself around the throne of God and when Lucifer would move about here and move about there and go here and there, what you would hear was timbrel playing and the pipe and the angels would begin to dance to the music that was Lucifer. The light of God would shine and it would hit those stones and reflect off. And Lucifer got himself in trouble when he forgot that the light came from God, not from Lucifer. He forgot it and got himself in trouble when he started thinking that the light came from himself, which it did not. It came from God. He was only a reflector. That's why the Bible says, because of thy brilliance, you thought this was all about you. You got in trouble and trouble came your way when you started saying things like, I will ascend and I will be light. Sin will always sever relationship with God. If you feel like you're good enough in yourself to save yourself, you're fooling nobody but yourself. Salvation does not come by self. Salvation comes by the blood of Jesus Christ. Salvation does not come by good deeds. Salvation comes by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Salvation does not come by a prayer. Salvation comes when we repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus and we are filled with the Holy Ghost. You cannot make a decree in this kingdom and it ever save your soul. 
It's got to be from the king. I cannot see the kingdom. I cannot make the kingdom. I cannot enter the kingdom. At first, until I first follow the decree of the king. Sin will sever your relationship with God. So with Adam and Eve, he worked on, 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 Lucifer worked on severing that relationship. And he introduced rebellion. And he got them to fall. Because Lucifer knew God was looking for something to replace what he lost in heaven. Lucifer was worship. Everything about him was giving worship to God until he felt like it was the glory was in him. Lucifer was the anointed cherub that covered and now God was looking for something else to cover the throne. The psalmist wrote something like this, let him that praise him in the timbrel and the dance. You know where we first find the timbrel and the dance? Miriam when she crossed the Red Sea and led Israel in the dance now those of you that are here today that are Bible scholars you understand that the Red Sea is a perfect uh, antidote a perfect type of what water baptism Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant of how all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. John said in 3 and 5, Except a man be born again of the water and of the Spirit. So Lucifer knew if I could keep them in sin and severed from Christ, then man could never give back to God what God lost. But God had a plan. <laughs> See, some of y'all tell pastor, pastor, you don't understand. I, I, I've been so sinful in my life. I've been so sin-soaked. I, I've been so bad. I've been into this and I've been into that. God could never deal with me. But I'm here to tell you something. God had a plan. His plan was much bigger than your... Uh, falsehoods of how much of a sinner that you actually would. God had a plan. His plan was that you should not die and perish in your sins, but that you have a chance of everlasting life. The king has declared there is a chance for you in this world. God said, I'll take them through the water. I'll apply my blood to their lives and atone for their sins. And what Lucifer took out of God's heaven, I'll put it back on the earth to give glory to heaven you see what he took was worship when sin and rebellion entered into the garden worship was no longer the same praise yes because any fool can do this anybody can lift up their hands and say thank you Jesus matter of fact if you don't the stones will the birds have a song. The water has its waves. This whole world gives God glory. But God wanted something with free will to worship him. And so he, he said, it's been taken away from me, but I'm going to have a plan. And I'm going to fulfill my plan. And I'm going to have worship in this world once again. You come here today and you don't give God worship. You are stomping on the declaration that the king has made. It's one thing to clap your hands, to stand to your feet. It's another thing. To, but there's something about worship that moves the king that he would leave his earthly throne, robe himself in flesh, endure the cross, raise from the grave, that he could have a relationship and worship once again. Somebody. Give God some worship in the house. I'm not talking about praise. I'm talking about worship. I'm talking about relationship today. Something that's relationship driven. Something that's relationship built. Something that's not just clapping your hands, jumping on your feet, shouting unto God. But something that comes deep down inside of you that says, I've got to love my God. I'm going to pastor for just a few seconds more. 
I promise we'll get back into evangelistic mode in here in just a second. Hear me. I'm going to make this statement. Y'all take it out of context if you want to. Put it in context. That's fine. But I'm tired. Tired of this nonsense. Well, I feel like I have to be in the spirit of God before I could dance and rejoice and shout. Nonsense. Garbage. I'm not emotional. Baloney. Liar, liar. Pants ablaze and on fire. I've got to remember. That's all I have to do. All I have to do is remember that I've already been to the water. I've already been baptized. I've already been converted. And I feel, I feel, I feel all right to get me on my feet. No matter what my emotions might say. No matter what my mind might tell me. I've got to know that the king says worship and worship only me. To get me on my feet. To have a relationship of worship with my king. Don't tell me, well, I got to feel the Spirit. I don't need to feel the Spirit to know what God's done for me. I worship Him and then get in the Spirit. Feeling bold this morning. I'm also tired of this. I'm not emotional. I don't get emotional. This is just who I am. Liar, liar, pants are blazing on fire. Let's talk about emotional. Let somebody come up to your wife and slap her in the face. Let's see how emotional you get. Let somebody say your mama's so fat she sweats bacon and see how emotional you get. Let somebody slap your dog. Okay, funny stuff? Okay, let's get serious. Let somebody take your parking spot. Cut you off in traffic. Somebody talk about you behind your back. Somebody do you wrong and then tell me you're not emotional. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Truth of the matter is you're only emotional for what you want to get emotional about. You want to hold your emotions in. But if you truly had conversion and you love the conversion that God gave for you, nothing could hold your emotions back. Nothing could stop you. Nothing could ever... You see, we're made of body, soul, and spirit. And that soul gets emotional when it knows where it was and where it's going because of the blood. Soul is also where music is. I like soulful music. Thank you. Let me just say it like this. Sunday morning, don't judge me. Sirius Satellite Radio coming in. It's Bluegrass Christian. Some days during the week after work, on the way home, Sirius Satellite, I'm on the gospel channel. Busting out with Kirk Franklin. Then some days when I'm mellowed, Pardon this. It's not the, I go to the white people radio station. <laughs> that don't come on very often. Music is soulful by, soulful by nature. Something about it. I don't care who you are, how much rhythm you have or don't have. When a good song begins to start, your foot will start to tap. Hand will start to go. Because music is soulful by nature. So when we start service, we start out singing. Because some folks come to church and not listening to the declaration of the king that I come into the house of God already praising and worshiping him. I enter his courts with doubt. Nah. I enter his courts with issues. Uh-uh. 
I enter his court with baggage. Nope, not what it says. I enter his court with praise. And so for some of the latecomers and some of the ones that just ain't quite there, we'll sing some songs and get things going that we can be in the presence of God and our souls begin to get stirred and our souls begin to get changed because our souls will get a hold of our mind. So before I can get to God is I have to get emotional. Emotional. That's why, now, I, 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 Dad tried to teach me this a long time ago when I was a young bull, and I just wanted to go a 1,000 miles an hour. Son, you can't get everybody to do it. Some folks just won't. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to be that kind of pastor. I still had that mentality. I'm not going to be satisfied till everybody is. That's why I don't understand how you can sit through service. I can't sit and not get him. Well, I'm not an emotional liar. Those lies come straight from hell. If God has saved your soul, you get emotional. If God has healed your body, you get emotional. If God has changed your life, you get emotional. If God has done something miraculous, you, you get emotional. That's why I can't come to church and just sit and just say, that's just not me. I've been born again. That old man was not emotional, but now that I've tasted and seen how good God is, I can't sit still and be quiet when I know what God has done for me. Now, now, Adam, every tree in the garden, but the one, you can't touch that one. What did God do? He declared his will. Everything else in this kingdom is yours. You can name every animal, every plant, every vegetable. I just don't want you going there. Adam's job was to guard and protect the garden. His job was to keep Eve from being there. And he failed. Eve got to the tree. And if you go back and study it and look, she was by where? Herself. This is where I get myself in trouble with some folks, but I, I, I like trouble. When you take a step to go somewhere without your spiritual leadership with you, you're going to find yourself facing an adversary. When, when, when you decide, well, God said for me, it's okay for me to do this, and God said it's all right for me to do that, and your pastor's not with you, listen, you're better off that you're being with your pastor if he's wrong. facing an adversary that you are never going to win on your own. You shouldn't be going to places that you shouldn't be going, knowing that you shouldn't be doing things that you shouldn't be doing. If you can't go there with your ministry, that you shouldn't be there because it'll cause you to face an adversary that you can't beat. God said it's all right. God said, did, did, did God say that really? I love it. Pastor, I, I feel like this is, you know, that, that I should go to South Beach and, and start a uh, beach ministry. <laughs> really? It's the same dude that came to me a few months ago and had problems with pornography and now you want to go to the beach and God said that? Yeah. Satan, I, 
I heard this from a preacher and I've shared it with a few and I'm going to share it today to the church because I feel like it is absolutely the word that we need to hear. Satan always speaks to you in a question. He speaks to you in doubt. Your pastor's wrong. The Bible does not really say that. That's okay. But, but don't you feel like that, you know, you're going to be all right, aren't you? You're big enough to handle this. Strong enough to take this, aren't you? That's the way Satan speaks, with questions. You're going to fail. You're not good enough. You can never be forgiven. God always speaks an exclamation. Satan will always bring an adversarial tone to his voice because that's really what he is, an adversary. And he will speak to you in adversarial voice. But God always speaks in exclamation points. You can make this. You can do this. You are a child of God. I do love you. I do care. I do Above the stars of God, Lucifer began to exalt his will above that of God, and he know, now knows and ceases to be Lucifer and become Satan. Those of you that were at camp, you heard Brother Morgan say that, that Satan just simply is, means adversary. Boy, that has stuck with me. Adversary. Adversary. How many times in your Christian walk have you ever met a roadblock that you just couldn't get around? Let that pause and sink into somebody begin to think about it. Some of y'all had things come to your mind just like that. What you faced was a Satan, an adversary. He's seeking to outrank the king in your life. He's seeking to make the declarations in your life that go against what your king says. And what happens is there becomes a war between two kingdoms. War of your will and God's declarations. The garden failure happened when Lucifer got Adam and Eve to exalt their will over God's will. And worship was lost. Now Adam, because he exalted Lucifer, will above that of God also became an adversary of God. Now you're going to have to pick weeds. Now you're going to have to deal with thorns and thistles and you're going to have to, to dig and you're going to have to provide your own food. And woman, you're not exempt in this. You're going to have pain when it comes to childbirth and you're going to be a weaker vessel. Became an adversary. And all it takes for you to become an adversary of God is to say, I'm going to live my life how I want to live my life no matter what the Bible says. I understand what the Bible says about holiness, but I've also watched YouTube, and YouTube says different. I have a love-hate relationship with YouTube. You know what you find on YouTube? What you want to find. If you're already beginning to listen to the voice of the adversary telling you, did really God say that? Is that exactly what the Word of God says? Is that what it says? Then that's what you'll start believing and you'll start justifying it in yourself that the declarations of God are wrong and your mind is more right. Let me tell you, buddy. Let me tell you, sister. You ain't got a right mind. You ain't got a mind that can think of the stars and the galaxies or the fish in the sea or the plants and the trees in this world. You ain't got a right mind to even worship God today. Don't even try to pretend that you've got the mind of God. If God says it, that's just the way it is. 
You need to make it up in your mind and soul who you're going to listen to today. There is war between your will and the declarations of God. Let me take it a step further. This church, new life, you all got to make it up in your mind. It's too late in the game. Sorry. Not sorry. You're going to have to make it up in your mind right now. Well, if I could just do just this and that, then I'll give my. Nah, you ain't got time to be playing patty cake with Jesus. This ain't no tiddlywink walk. This isn't no sorry kind of game. This is not chess or checkers. This is life or death we're talking about. And we need to make up in our mind right now, not the church, not the pulpit, but the church body needs to make it up in their mind if they're an adversary of the king or they are on the side of Satan. That went over like a lead balloon, but you better make it up in your mind right now because whatever can be shaken will be shaken and whatever can be sifted will be sifted and you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. You better make it up in your mind who you're going to serve today. You need to make it up in your mind if you want to worship at a throne of iniquity or a throne of righteousness. It's up to you. It's okay. Oh, it must not be because nobody said all right but one. We come to church and we got a problem. I'm not worried about taking time today. I got time. I ain't tired yet and not hungry, so it's all right. We come to church in, in, in the spiritual, and Bishop knows what I'm talking about. He's felt this. We've talked about it. Ministry gets up to minister. And all we do is we feel the fight between the righteous throne and the unrighteous throne. The unrighteous throne is just, just very, very simplistically described as anything that is anti-God. Anything that does not fall under submission to the declarations of the king. I said king, not pastor. King. We don't follow the declarations of the king. We sit upon a throne of unrighteousness. Oh, I sit on a blue pew. Guess what? Right underneath that blue pew is your throne of unrighteousness. God said worship. God said praise. God said be holy. Why? Because I am holy. And when we come to church with angst and anger and issues and problems and we wear it upon our countenance and we wear it upon our backs and we got heads held low and our halos are taken off because we're sitting on a throne of unrighteousness and I'm here to tell you the only way to get off of it is to fall unto the declaration of the king. He never said for you to live life in doubt and in despair and agony and anger. And he said, lift your voice and shout with a voice of triumph. Carry it away on your shoulders, shout. You know why he gave us that declaration? Because sometimes we are going to be down. See, for just a second. If you are down today because of what somebody has told you, they've talked to you and told you their issues to get you to do what? Be on their side. They've caused you to now sit on a throne of unrighteousness. Sorry, this is a different spiritual thing coming upon me right now. If somebody's gossiped to you to get you to be on their side, it's the adversary that's whispering into your voice, into your ears, to hear their voice. And that's why you're where you're at today. Can't lift up your hands, can't shout, 
can't get behind the preacher, sitting like a bump on a pickle, don't really know if you're dead or alive. I'm about ready to call the, the ushers to come and check on you to make sure that you're still with us today and not dead. Because you're sitting on a throne of iniquity, sitting on a throne of unrighteousness because of somebody else is loaded off on you. Shame on you and shame on them. You come to the house of God. You come to the house of God for one purpose. And that's you to thank God that he allows you to live in his kingdom. True. You ought to be on your hands and your knees thanking God today that he would ever allow you to live in his kingdom. Crippled, busted, broke, drunk, high, thief, liar, whatever it might be that you came to the kingdom, God allowed you to come in. You ought to be thankful enough today that God allowed you to be here. Am I all right, honey? Thank you. I'm almost there. One old man said it like this. One of the most important, if not the most important part of God's message to his people is simply this. Our God reigns. He reigns. He reigns in the good. He reigns in the bad. He reigns in the ups. He reigns in the downs. And if God is still on the throne, we as his subjects should be worshiping. I know where some of y'all come from. I know where, where some of y'all been. You ought to be thanking God that he looked beyond your faults. He saw your needs. And he said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You ought to thank God of nothing else today that God allows you to be in the kingdom. He declared a declaration that was big enough to take care of all the issues in your life. Cody, you ought to be the first one. I know you're over there crying already. Go over there tearing up. I know you are. I see you. Thanking God. Amen. But Stephen, sitting over there, so kind and talented, you ought to be thanking God. I don't care if you've been raised on a pew or you've been raised in the streets. It doesn't make no difference to me. You both have a place in the kingdom and you ought to thank God that the gates were kicked open wide, that you got a chance to come before the throne and worship the king. Your preacher begins to preach the death, burial, and resurrection to you, it ought to get you excited. You wanna know why? Because he's preaching to you the declarations of the king. He didn't say it. He didn't make it. It wasn't his declaration. He's just echoing what the king said. And you ought to be thankful that he's echoing what the king said and not his own word. Because when we put our place in the place of the king, we become a Satan. If God didn't say it, then it ain't a declaration. If it raises somebody else up over God, it isn't God. So you have a choice to make. You're either an adversary or you're a follower. Don't get mad at me. I'm just echoing what the king said. You got a problem? Take it to the desk. Let him take care of it. I'm just the servant that's echoing what the king says this morning. Except the man be born again of water and the spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Not my words, his words. Baptism in Jesus' name, which is above every name, his declaration. We find salvation in no other person. The king has declared it in Acts 4 and 12 that we can't find nowhere that nobody is greater than that of Jesus.
Come on, honey, whoever's coming on. I'm about done. I ain't told anybody to stand yet, so everybody else just hold up just a second. Try to get this right. Anywhere that you find an altar in the scriptures, I'm sorry, you, you find a throne in the scriptures, you'll first find an altar. They're close proximity. They're by one another. You don't ever see a throne without there being an altar. It's impossible to ever get to the throne until you first go through an altar. Who do you think you are? You just be able to walk right up onto the king. Mm -mm. There's things that you have to do first before you could ever get to see the king. The king doesn't just take anybody. There's, there's, there's been declarations made, things that are said that have to be done before you ever get into the presence of the king. The verse in Proverbs 18 and 16, a man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. And we feel like just because we have a calling that our calling says that we should be up on a pulpit or we should be in a Sunday school class or we should be somewhere. And your gift doesn't mean squat right, right. till it first goes through an altar. You can be talented, you can be blessed, you can be all these things, but until you find some time to sit in an altar somewhere and get your ego in check, you ain't got a right to use that gift before the king. It's talking about any time you go... Chamberlain and you'd have to ask before you ever got have a moment or a time face to face with the king with the throne you first had to go through him and the Chamberlain would say did you bring a gift man I ain't got nothing you ain't got time to be in the throne room then. no gift no audience that's why there's always an altar before the throne before you ever get a chance to see God, you got to bring something to Him. Now I beseech ye, therefore, brothers, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. You'll never find the will of God because you don't ever have an altar. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about, but, but pastor, I pray all the time. I'm not talking about prayer. Prayer is great. You should pray. But I'm talking about an altar time. It's a big difference. Prayer is the most of the time where you go into and you just say, God, I need help with this. God, I need help with this. God, I need you to take care of this. God, it's not giving God directions at an altar. And an altar is not something that you ever get up off of. You can't be a sacrifice and still be living. An altar somewhere where we go to die and we don't get up from. That's why a whole, yeah, that's why a whole lot of you have a problem with repentance and forgiveness. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Well, if you understood repentance, you'd never have to ask God for forgiveness again. Because if you truly repented, you'd never go back to that same stank you came from. An altar. Your altar is where you go to lay yourself down, your old man, your old way of thinking, your old. Th if you're still doing things that you did that you know is wrong before you got to he to God, uh, came to God, you're breaking the declarations of the king. You're not. You're still the old man. Now I'm not coming against your salvation, but I'm just going to point out that if you're, the old man passed away, you're regenerated, new creature in Christ Jesus, and you're still doing things of old. I worry about your regeneration. You can't move forward in God. Hear a word from God. Find the will of God. Receive directions from God. Because you're still holding on to the old man with its old ways. 
beseech you therefore brothers to present your bodies a living sacrifice you hear the decrees of the king but you refuse to leave your own kingdom he lost worship by the, the cross and the resurrection, worship was then reinstituted because the relationship that was lost in the garden was refound in an upper room someday with 120 received the gift of the Holy Ghost and the comforter was poured out, which was the Spirit of God. Now true worship could now be communion once again between God and man like never before because now we had a choice where the sin that would block us from having relationship and worship with Him now could be washed clean. Some of us want that. We don't ever want to leave our own thrones. You know the sound of his voice. You know and have read his declarations. You've heard it preached over and over and over again. But you're so stubborn to give up your own throne. Because of that, you've not found full salvation. Until you learn to stop listening to your carnal self and listen to the voice of God, as he's declaring to you, this is a new day. See, this is like no other day in this whole entire year, life, span, time. Because it's a day that God hath made. It's a declaration. It cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. It cannot be moved. This is a day that God hath made. Rejoice. And be glad in it. That's not a choice. That's not a, if you feel like it. If you are, had enough coffee this morning. If your biscuit was not burnt. If your wife did not irritate you and your husband did not, you know, do something stupid. No, the declaration states this is a day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to say something very hard for a lot of us to be able to swallow this morning. But I, I really, really feel the Lord and this statement. Until you learn to give your whole self over. Your whole self over to all of the decrees of the King. Then you'll never be able to truly worship God. You could praise. You could shout, because anything can do that. Anything can do that. But true worship comes from those who have submitted themselves to the decrees of the king. Because why would God accept worship that was tainted with self and ego? They that worship him have to be people that will worship him in their spirit and in the truth of worship. doesn't hear me I feel like God doesn't love me I just feel like pastor I'm a tithe paying faithful as a day is long member of the church but I feel like I'm just constantly at war you are because there's two kingdoms you aren't fighting me because I'm not the king you're not fighting bishop because he ain't the king you're fighting against the kingdom of God because his declarations are not yay and amen in your life got to be some gray areas preacher no what you're doing in this fight is not fighting God you're fighting his declarations his decrees you're fighting his word this that you love so much is what you're fighting against you can be mad at me as a person all you want to you can be mad at bishop all you want to that, that ain't going to help you get into heaven any quicker this is what you're fighting with. 
Eve's issue was is that she began to look at things that she shouldn't be looking at and it became something that she wanted to uh, begin to touch because when you get your eyes off of God and all things of this world it will become pleasant to you and the adversary will begin to speak to you and he'll speak to you against the decree of the king and he'll convince you that the king's decree is not just necessary. And what's lost is your worship. That communion with God. Not talking about when the choir is singing and everything's going and you're swaying and bouncing and everything. I'm talking about that communion with God. That moment where you know that you just are in the presence of the almighty king. You shudder. See, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about this morning. It's because you haven't gone through the altar yet. Not because I have to. Because the declaration says that I should give myself a living sacrifice holy and acceptable I'm not leaving this place because I want to be in the presence of the king so the gift I give today is my will the gift I give today is what you've lost a long time ago and what you've been seeking for all this time it's my worship again anything can praise him God seeks worshipers that will worship him. That communion. Here I am, God. How could you love a broken vessel? Here I am, God. How could you, how could you care for this, this busted person? But here I am. I'm here to worship you. When I learned this lesson, oh, my life was changed. My life with my wife was changed. With my kids, myself, more than anything, myself. When I found true worship. You're a pastor and a preacher. You've been raised in the church. You know, you've got a great heritage. You know, all these generations of Pentecost. But in myself, when I found an altar. And I, I found a king seeking for a subject that would do nothing more than to just worship. Life became sweeter. The wind became sweeter. The sun became richer. The earth became fuller in all of its beauty. You see things different. Here, am I only one here today that understands where I'm at? I'm not crazy, I don't think. There's something about it. When I give myself in subjection to the declarations of the king completely. Lord, you want me to do this? I do it. Lord, you want me to give this? I'll give it. Lord, you want me to go there? I'll go. Because you have stated it. I wonder if there's somebody today that'll say, I want to get to that place of worship, Pastor. Preacher, I, 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 I've been moved in my spirit today. And I want to get to that place of worship to a God that is hungry for worshipers. I'll come to the altar. I'll come to an altar. Because I want to be in a place of worship. What things are necessary today? What things necessary must I do? 
the Spirit lead this morning. Let the Spirit lead this morning. The King is calling. He's calling for a visit with you. He needs a visitation. You have to come. Not empty hands. You have to come to an altar and worship. come to a place of worship. Here I am, God. I'm on an altar. I heed your declarations. Holiness is a declaration not my will God but your will be done in his own time of prayer in his darkest moment of his night the man Christ Jesus said not my will thy will don't come to an altar today with your will come to the altar today for his will heed his declarations heed his calling and worship I am my life to you here I am not withholding here I am give myself away fall upon the altar I lay down everything that used to be that I could become a new creature in Christ Jesus want to be a faithful subject in your kingdom. Let's begin to sing. Let's begin to worship.